Good morning, everybody. I'm glad that you are here on this holiday weekend. Uh, sometimes we take up a, a complex subject that has a lot of layers to it and a lot of details to it. And, and when we do that, it's probably a good idea to slow down and dig in a little bit. And uh, I thought today's the good day to do that. Uh, we're, we're talking about, if you weren't here last week, we're talking about the Holy Spirit and who He is and what His role is and how we relate to Him and how do we figure Him out if that's even possible. And that topic, the person of the Holy Spirit, it just has a lot of avenues and a lot of angles. And so we're going to go kind of slow today. We're, we're going to piece some things together so we're all on the same page going forward. And we're going to run through a lot of Scripture. We're going to be all over the place in, in Scripture. And normally we don't do that. Normally we kind of find a place and land there all morning. Today, we're going to be in a lot of places in the Bible. And you're welcome to try to keep up in, in your Bible. The scriptures are going to be on the screen. If you have never used the YouVersion outline, today would be the perfect day to try it. Uh, just download it. Go on our Wi-Fi. The, the password's better together. If you don't have the app, download it. The little handout you got tells you how to find the outline on YouVersion. This would be the perfect day to try it out if you never use it again. Because we're going to be in a lot of different places uh, in Scripture. As we talked about last week, the Bible tells us there's one God. We are a monotheistic religion. We believe there's one God, and yet the Bible also claims that the one God that we serve has three persons. It's a triune God, three persons in one, and we said last week there's no way to completely understand that. Like Logically, we can't piece all of that together. I mentioned last week that if, if we serve a God, that we can logically figure everything out about Him. He's not a very big God. He can't be a very complex God. We would expect if there's a God ruling over the universe, there would be parts of His nature and character that we can't fully decipher. This is one of those parts. Hearts. Three persons in one God we don't have any experience with, but we know that it's true because of what we read in the Bible. J Jesus said at one point, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father and I, we're one. I don't know how to explain that, but Jesus said that was true, that he was fully God, and yet he was God the Son, and God the Father's fully God but he's separate and yet one with God the Son. And then the New Testament writers, they use uh, what we call Trinitarian language or triune language. They equate Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in much of their writing. Let me give you just a couple of examples. This is uh, Peter writing in 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to, and here's the Trinitarian language, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ, and sprinkle with His blood, grace and peace be yours in obedience. So Father, Son, Spirit... Peter mentions all three of those connected. Paul does the same thing. Another example, 2 Corinthians. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So Jesus Christ the Son, God the Father, Holy Spirit. 
This language happens all throughout the New Testament. And I can't explain exactly how it works. I just know Jesus believed it to be true. The New Testament writers spoke in this Trinitarian language. And so we accept this to be true of God. And we understand as much as we can about Him. So last week we talked about Pentecost. Last week was Pentecost Sunday. And the fact that the Holy Spirit came fully to the earth and to believers on Pentecost Sunday. But we, we didn't talk about why that was necessary. Why, do, why did we need Pentecost Sunday to happen? What was its significance and, and what was the importance? Because the Holy Spirit has eternally existed. And this is part of us kind of getting an understanding The Holy Spirit didn't come into existence at Pentecost. He wasn't born on Pentecost. He wasn't created on Pentecost. He didn't come into being at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit uh, has uh, eternally existed, just as God the Father has eternally existed. And, And we read about the Holy Spirit being present in creation. The very beginning of the Bible, we read this verse last week. Let me give it to you again. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. We said that word means breath or wind. The very moment we meet God, the very beginning of creation, the Holy Spirit's there. He's present. Although Jesus isn't mentioned in Genesis 1, if you read John chapter 1 and Hebrews chapter 1, they both say that God the Son, Jesus, was present and active in creation. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit are all present at creation. Jesus wasn't created at Christmas. The Holy Spirit wasn't created at Pentecost. Neither one of them were ever created. They've eternally existed along with God the Father in glory and power from eternity past. When God is talking about creating in Genesis 1, specifically as He's talking about creating humans, here's the language He uses. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our our likeness. So again, from the very beginning of creation, God speaks of Himself as a plurality. Father, Son, Holy Spirit were all at work in creation and all eternally existed from eternity past. So, if that's true, if the Holy Spirit didn't come to be at Pentecost, what, is, what was He doing in the Old Testament that needed to be changed or tweaked or whatever happened at Pentecost, why did something change at Pentecost? Great question. I know you didn't ask it. I'm asking it for you. But just say, that's a great question. Turn to the person next to you. That's a great question. Great. Um, One of the things the Holy Spirit did in the Old Testament and into the New Testament is he inspired the writers of the Scriptures as to what they were to write. We speak of the Scriptures as being God-breathed. God moved through His Spirit using the authors of the Bible to form the words and the message that we read today. An example. This is uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. 
Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, Peter's writing this. The only Scripture that Peter has is the Old Testament. The New Testament is going to be formed and adopted later, and the Holy Spirit is guiding the authors of the New Testament. But Peter says specifically, the Scripture that we have, Old Testament is what he had, that was breathed out by God through His Spirit. Paul's even more specific in um, Acts chapter 1, or, or Peter in Acts chapter 1. Brothers, the Scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David. The Psalms are full of words of David, messages of David, stories of David in the Old Testament. And Peter says that was the Holy Spirit was working through David. This, is, this was one of his dominant roles in the Old Testament was to inspire the writers as to what they were to communicate, and then on through Peter and Paul and James and John and those who wrote the New Testament as well. I don't want to go through all of the specific roles today. We're going to talk next week about the specific roles of the Holy Spirit, what He does in our lives. Let's say this. Everything that the Holy Spirit was doing in the Old Testament, He did in the New Testament. It was the same. He was, he was doing the exact same things in the Old Testament that he did in the New Testament. And with the exception of inspiring more scripture, he's doing everything he was doing in the Old Testament today. He's still doing all of those things. And we'll go through a lot of those next Sunday. So what was the difference? Why was Pentecost significant if it was the same Holy Spirit and he was doing the same thing? I, I would say there's Two big differences, and, and, and there, there are two words that, that maybe will help us talk about this. The, difference in, the differences were pervasiveness and permanence. If you think of those two words, that's the difference between pre-Pentecost and post-Pentecost. The pervasiveness of the Holy Spirit and the permanence of the Holy Spirit. I mean it in this way. In the Old Testament, not everyone who put their faith in God, who trusted God, not everyone who was a part of the nation of Israel experienced the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. It wasn't, the Holy Spirit's presence wasn't pervasive. Everybody didn't experience that. Numbers chapter 11, Moses is leading the nation of Israel, and He's overworked and he's overrun and he's out of breath and there's just a million decisions and people are coming and they're complaining and he's having to make decisions all the time and, and, and Moses is teetering on the edge of burnout. And, and here's what Moses says in Numbers 11. I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Which means the Lord's Spirit was not on everybody in the nation. And there's, there's some layers to this story, but what we're dealing with today is that 
Moses had the Spirit of God who was helping him make decisions and lead the nation. And at one point, Moses said, God, I just wish you'd give your spirit to everybody so they would be more helpful, so they could discern more, so that they could understand what I'm talking about when you and I talk. I wish everybody experienced the Spirit of God, but everybody didn't experience the Spirit of God prior to Pentecost. Only specific people. For example, leaders and rulers and kings, what were sometimes called judges in the Old Testament, we're told that when it came time for them to live, to lead, the Holy Spirit would come on them. Some examples. Uh, Judges chapter 3, speaking of a judge named Othniel. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him so that he became Israel's judge and went to war. Judges chapter 6. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abiezrites to follow him. Judges chapter 11. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. He crossed Gilead and Manasseh, passed through Mizpah of Gilead, and from there he advanced against the Ammonites. So we have this series of discussions where there's a, there's a new leader, and the Spirit of God would come upon leaders to empower them to lead, to make good decisions, to be wise, to be discerning, to be sensitive to the the Word of God and the voice of God. So when there was a task to to be done, when there was a leadership void that needed to be filled, the Old Testament often says the Spirit of God came upon that person to help him or her lead well and lead according to the Word of God. Maybe some more familiar names. David and Saul were both kings in the Old Testament. And we we find this same language when it comes to them. As, As Saul is being anointed the first king by the prophet Samuel, this is what we read. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power... And you will prophesy with them. You'll know the words of God. And you will be changed into a different person. You will be given leadership skills. You'll be given strength and authority and wisdom, Saul, that you don't currently have. Because God's Spirit is going to help you be a better leader. Now, if you know the story, and we talked about the story a couple of months ago. It doesn't end real well for Saul. Like the Spirit comes upon Saul, and it, it doesn't go real well, and David is going to be the next king. And so, a few chapters later, we read this. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. Now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. This is the pattern we see in the Old Testament. The Spirit of the Lord coming on people for certain tasks and roles. The Spirit of the Lord at times leaving people when they've walked away from God or when they've rejected what God wants for their life. This coming upon and leaving. The Spirit of God was not pervasive. Not everyone of faith experienced the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God was not permanent. He would come on leaders and then He would remove Himself from leaders. But as we get towards the end of the Old Testament, the prophets begin to say, somebody's coming 
And the Spirit of God is going to rest on him. The Spirit of God is going to come and stay. It's going to be on him. And the Spirit of God is not going to leave him. This is Isaiah. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. We're talking about Jesus. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of power, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. The word rest means to settle down, to stay. God's people had never experienced this before. They had never experienced God's presence in the world, God's Spirit coming on somebody and staying. The prophet said, somebody's coming. The Spirit of the Lord is going to rest on this person. Jesus shows up hundreds of years later. This is what happens in Matthew 3. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him, resting on him, staying on him. And then for three years of his ministry... Jesus demonstrates, Jesus shows us what it looks like if you walk according to the Spirit all the time. If you live in the Spirit all the time, your life will look like the life that Jesus lived. But it gets better. Because the prophets not only said, there's coming one guy that the Spirit's going to rest on. The prophets began to say, The Spirit of God is going to be poured out on everybody. Not just Jesus, not just the Son of God, not just the Messiah. He's going to be the first one. But the Spirit of God is going to come at some point and make Himself available to everybody. Hear their words. Isaiah says, For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on dry ground. I will pour out my Spirit on your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. One day. Our grandchildren, great, 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 great grandchildren, one day the Spirit of God is going to be poured out. And if you were here last week, that language of pouring out on dry land, that should be familiar because we talked about that last week. Joel said it this way, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. That day's coming. There's going to be one. Spirit of God's going to rest on him. But following him, the spirit, the presence and power of God, it's going to be available to everybody. He's going to be pervasive. He's going to be permanent. He's not going to come and go. You're going to get to live in the spirit of God. And then Pentecost comes. And that moment happens. We move from a few people experiencing the spirit of God We move from a period where the Spirit of God might depart to when the Spirit of God comes in all of His fullness to stay with us, to be with us, to live with us, and walk with us. Now, as we're chasing down details, some of the confusion around the the coming of the Holy Spirit or, or our interaction with the Holy Spirit is a question of, okay, well, when does that happen? when do do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? Or sometimes the Bible uses the phrase baptized with the Holy Spirit. When does that happen for me? Does it happen all at once or is it like a staggered process? How does that happen? In the book of Acts, 
One of the things we have to keep in mind is that we're in a transitional period on several fronts. We are moving from the way the Holy Spirit interacted previous to Pentecost to how the Holy Spirit is going to interact in our lives post-Pentecost. And yes, there were followers of Jesus. The disciples are a great example. There were followers of Jesus who trusted him, believed him to be the Messiah. They were forgiven. They trusted in his resurrection, but they didn't have the Holy Spirit until Pentecost comes. So for them, there was this sort of one-two punch, if you will. Like I followed Jesus, and then later, because the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, they received the Holy Spirit. So there was like a second moment in their life. However, no one had ever experienced the Holy Spirit that way before. So, of course, there was going to be this transitional period. Not only that, there was a transitional period of the gospel beginning to go out across boundaries and borders. Primarily the gospel, although it was open to everyone, it had primarily been working among the Israelites, And what we see in Acts is, in a new way, in kind of a wholesale way, the gospel is now going to every culture and every person and every language. And so we've got that transition going on. We have a transition from the teaching of John the Baptist to the teaching of Jesus. John comes along and preaches a message of repentance. And he says, somebody's coming, like, repent of your sins. That was John's message. Repent of your sins, somebody's coming. But they didn't know who was coming. And so many people were baptized by John. They, they knew they were sinners, but they, they didn't know Jesus was the Messiah. So there's this transition from, yes, we repented, but now we're trusting in Jesus. Here's an example. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. That's part of the transition. We don't don't know what you're talking about. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? Well, John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. So Paul meets a group of believers who don't have the Holy Spirit. But as he questions them, he realizes, you've never put your faith in Jesus. You repented when when John spoke to you, but you haven't believed in Jesus. And when they believed, they received the Holy Spirit. What happens very quickly into the book of Acts and throughout the rest of the New Testament is that the Spirit at work in our life, God's presence in our lives becomes synonymous with our putting our faith in Jesus. Like it, it's, it's at the same time, I trust Jesus and I have the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is Acts chapter 2. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He didn't say, everybody pray, believe Jesus. Like sometime later, the Spirit's going to get to you. You just got to wait a little. He said, no, like if you trust Jesus, God's presence is with you. His Spirit is with you. There's not like a second time that you get more of God. You have all of the Holy Spirit the moment you give your life 
to Jesus. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. We were all given one spirit to drink. He's talking to the church. He's talking to a room full of believers. And say, you know what? We're all believers. So we all have the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. We're not waiting for him. We're not waiting for some special experience to happen. We have the Holy Spirit in our lives. John said, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. This is is how we know. If you walk with Jesus, you have the presence of God in your life through his spirit. If you don't walk with Jesus, you don't have the spirit. There's not a middle ground. Or you know Jesus, but you don't have the Spirit, and you got to get the Spirit, and you got to do certain things to get the Spirit. There's no middle ground. Once we get through that transition period, the people who came to profess Jesus, they were filled with God's presence. They were filled with God's power and God's Spirit in their life. And it's almost just that easy, except Acts chapter 4. Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2. The followers of Jesus are filled with God's Spirit. Uh, Peter and John are in prison. They're released and they go back to where their friends have been praying. And it says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. But they were filled with the Holy Spirit two chapters previous. Did some leak out and they had to get pumped back up? Ephesians chapter 5, Paul writes, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, he's talking to believers, be filled with the Spirit. So on the one hand, we see this pattern of people trusting in Jesus and the Spirit coming into their lives. But then we, we also see these times where there's another opportunity to be filled with the Spirit? Here's what I think's happening. As we walk with God, we're, we're not getting a little bit more of the Spirit and a little bit more of the Spirit and a little bit more of the Spirit. We receive all of God's power and presence that we're ever going to receive when we come to faith in Christ. But, but there are two things that happen. One, there are times I'm acutely aware of the Spirit's work and presence in my life or in a situation. You ever had that before? God's Spirit's everywhere. Everywhere. He's omnipresent. God's Spirit's everywhere. God's Spirit's always with you if you're a follower of Jesus. But don't you leave some worship services sometimes and just go, man, I just really felt God there today. There's something that was said, or there was a song that was sung, or there was a moment I, I just felt God speaking right to me. It's just me. Anybody else ever had this? Like, like there's some times you just, you just have this awareness. Like I'm really in the presence of God right now. And you didn't get more of God's Spirit at that moment. You, you didn't get another third of God's Spirit. God's Spirit's here. He's here. Every, every time we're here, He's here. Every time you, wherever you go, He's there. But there are times we just sense, man, there's a, there's a powerful presence of God in this place. 
Another example, have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and you just knew God orchestrated that? Like you just happened to meet somebody and they just happened to say something and you were able to offer a word of encouragement or, or pray with them or they brought up something and you would had that exact same experience and you were able to go, here's what I did, I'll, I'll be praying for you. And, and you walk away from that moment and you know, Wow, I think God did that. I think God brought us to that moment. There are times in our lives when you and I are just very aware that God showed up. And and here's what I would say. Don't write that off to coincidence. Don't write that off to, that was just a fluke. Maybe even say, "God, God, thank you that I got to see your spirit at work today. God, thank you that your spirit put me in that person. And God, thank you that that song just set my heart on fire today in a way that it hadn't been in a while. God, God, thank you that I sensed your presence. Sometimes you and I have an awareness of the presence of God more boldly, more powerfully than others. And no, we don't get more of him but there's a sense of fullness, isn't there? Spiritual fullness when that happens. God, thank you that your spirit was at work. Here's another aspect of this filled with the spirit. And we're going to develop this one more in a few weeks. You and I can, can choose to yield to the Holy Spirit's influence or resist his influence. We always have that choice. And again, we'll talk about that more in a few weeks. You and I can give him freedom to work in our lives. We can be aware of his work in our lives to a greater degree or a lesser degree. The passage from Ephesians, Paul said, look, don't don't be drunk on wine. In other words, don't be under the influence. He uses alcohol as an example because that sometimes can change our our perspective and and our thinking. But it could be anything. Don't be under the influence of anything in this world. Be guided by the Spirit of God. Be under the influence of God's Spirit in your life, aware that He's he's leading you and directing you. And don't resist what He's telling you and how He's moving you. Paul said it this way in Galatians. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Let's do what He says. Let's, let's, Let's be aware that He's at work all around us, and let's follow him. Let's, let's be guided by him. I always put this disclaimer in. I am not saying that you're going to get up every day and wait for the Holy Spirit to tell you what pair of shoes to put on. That's not what I'm saying. He's not going to tell you what to wear or what you should have for lunch. Just go eat. Just wear something that sort of halfway matches. He'll be, he'll be fine with it. But what I'm saying is his presence is always shaping us, always prompting us. And I know he didn't tell us every little thing to do. But you and I can live more controlled by His Spirit, more yielded to His Spirit, or less. And and, and we should all the time. Just one last thought. I think sometimes that starts with just an awareness that the Holy Spirit is with us, that He's here, that He's with us. We've said that word, both in the Old and the New Testament, the word Spirit it means wind, breath, means wind. We don't always think about the wind, do we? When we think about the wind when there's a storm, 
Oh, the wind's really blowing. Like we see it. Yeah, that's a real example right there. Or when it's really, really hot and the sun's beating down and there's no wind, we think about it. But in that middle area, just a breeze, we don't walk around thinking about the wind all the time. I think we can, we can be that way with the Holy Spirit. We have a great worship service and, oh yeah, the Spirit of God, oh, thank you, God. Or we're really, really dry. We really need God's presence. We're, things are falling apart and I go, we need God's Spirit. What helps us to, to walk in the Spirit, yield to the Spirit, is not just those times on the extreme, but every day. We live our lives with this awareness that God's, God's with me. His, His Spirit's empowering me. His Spirit's leading me. I, I just need to be sensitive to Him. I just need to recognize Him in a conversation that I'm having. In an encounter that I'm having, in an opportunity I have to encourage somebody, pray for somebody, do something good for somebody. I just need to know he's at work. The wind is always blowing. The Spirit of God is always blowing in our lives. May we be aware of that. We're going to sing a song. And uh, it's one you know. You're going to be able to sing it. It's a great song about the worthiness of our God. Could, could you not worry during this song about what the drums are doing or, or what the guitar is doing or what the vocalists are doing or what the lights are doing or what the temperature? Could you just, can we just kind of push all of that back? As we sing this song, can, can we just be aware that God's here? His, his, his Spirit's here. And sometimes like the wind, we come in and we sit. I'm the same way. We come in and we sit and we stand and we sing and we sit and we go. And it was good and we saw our friends and, and, and we learned something. Sometimes we walk away without saying, God, thank you for being here. I thank you that your spirit's in me. And all the other stuff doesn't matter. If I get to be with you, if I get to meet with you and sing to you and know that your presence is with me. So we're, we're going to sing. Let's just be with God's spirit in his presence right now. God, thank you. When we come to faith, you fill us with your spirit. But God, thank you that sometimes you acutely, you, you purposely, you show up powerfully. We live from day to day. Sometimes we only notice you when you, you demonstrate something or when we really, really are desperate for you. And those are good times to know that you're there, but in the in-between times, God, help us not forget that your presence is here. The wind is blowing. And may we, for five minutes, push everything to the exterior. Our plans for tomorrow our obligations at work, whatever's happening in our family. It's not that those are unimportant. Just help us to push those back a little bit and be in your presence fully as we sing to you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.